Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk again about the Kingdom of God. We often use this particular podcast or radio program to talk about things in the news, but uh, it's often aired a little bit later for a lot of people. So uh, it's been suggested to me that we, uh, well, we actually may start doing additional podcasts. I don't know where we'll find the time to do it. There's just so much going on in the news, so much that we could be doing, but if we had been doing what Christ has been saying all along, most of what we see happening would not be happening. And so, uh, the principle of what is and why things are going on in the way that they're going on, it requires that we... Um, Take a look back at uh, when these same exact things were going on in other times with slightly different parameters. You know, other plagues. And now the plague that we're supposed to be facing today is COVID when I'm making this. And and uh, then also we're, we're supposedly having insurrection in the government and corruption in the government and... And the voice of the people is being neglected and, uh, and then there's censorship and corruption in corporations and corporations, you know, if, if you follow all the shows that we do, all the podcasts that we do, all the, uh, videos that we do, you should know by now that, uh, the golem of ancient, uh, Jewish lore is nothing more than a corporation. That's that's what the golem is. They they would make these contracts on clay, so therefore a corporation was made of clay because they would write it on clay. They would then bake it, and then that was the contract. That's why we have the terms breaking the contract, is because the contracts used to be clay. And when you like, if you owed money on a debt, they would mark it down and different types of writing. You can go even back to cuneiform, which writes well in clay. And uh, that would be the terms of the contract, the mortgage uh, that you owed. And when you paid, made the last payment, they would break the contract. They would uh, destroy it. It would be the end of it. And it's the same way with Golem. When you've fulfilled the terms, you the power of the Golem can be taken away with truth. So anyway, but you can go listen to our shows on that. We have web pages that cover this and articles and everything. So these principles of making agreements and contracts can get you into trouble, can make you a surety for debt, and then pass that surety for debt on to your children. So you can curse your children with these contracts. And one of the ways to establish these contracts is through benefits. And, of course, this is why in the Ten Commandments it tells you to make no covenant with them. And to not to covet your neighbor's goods. And if you make a covenant with them that allows you to covet your neighbor's goods, in other words, get stuff that belong to your neighbor that they can forcefully take from your neighbor and give to you, 
you are in violation of the Ten Commandments. And of course, you've all done that across the board, around the world. And because you've missed the allegory and metaphor of the simplicity of the Ten Commandments. And you've all applied for benefits from men who exercise authority one over the other to obtain those benefits at the expense of your neighbor. That's taking a bite out of your neighbor through these systems of government and and uh, and constitutional orders, etc. See, one of the things in the Constitution, somebody was asking me last night about the 1871 Act. And, uh, of course, I've written about it. It's, I've mentioned it in um, the Free Church Report and uh, the repercussions of the 1871 Act. And people say, oh, the 1871 Act uh, created a corporation. The United States was a corporation already. Yeah, I mean, you read the Constitution, it is a corporate charter. That That's basically, I mean, it has the rules that unites people, e pluribus unum kind of thing. Uh, and that's what a corporation is. Two or more people gathered together under a pre-existing authority. The authority is established by the signatures of the people who sign on to the agreement. And in that agreement, they become an entity. The United States. Whether you want to say, you know, the Constitution for the United States or of the United States. Basically, the Constitution is creating a body politic. And that's a corporation in nature. You know, it's a natural corporation. Now, the, the, the most natural corporation is the family. Two or more people, no more twain, gathered as one. Very simple concepts. Once you get these simple concepts. Now you can talk about statutory corporations. What meets statutory requirements? Okay, statutory means that somebody made a statute, a regulation, a rule... Uh, to, you know, terms of an agreement were established. Well, a statutory co- corporation under whose statutes? Statutes of the United States. If you incorporate under the statutes of the United States, through the states, all other previous cor- incorporation is null and void as if it did not happen. And we go through these explanations, and I'm reciting that from memory, because I just read it again last night, an explanation of, because um, this was passed in, guess what, 1871. <laughs> so, all these things are connected. And I, I was listening to somebody, somebody was saying, somebody had 5,000 followers, and and I, I've I've known the guy, and of the guy, for years and years and years and years. And uh, I I don't know if I let him on to my MeWe membership. I, I've started a presence on MeWe because the censorship in the world today has gone crazy. But it's and it's the result of a spirit that has been let loose upon you because you've already wa- lost the war for liberty. You know, I mean, the, the, the great reset that they're talking about is supposedly going to end private property. There is no private property except within a legal system. You don't actually get title to land when you buy it. You have a legal title, but in the definition of legal title, it does not include ownership. So, 
Pew just paid $400,000. What was somebody just paid $5 million for a baseball card? <laughs> that was just in the news uh, before the show. Uh, he doesn't own it. <laughs> he has legal title to it. That's the definition. Now, a lot of people haven't heard that, and they'll say, that's absurd, that's crazy. I own it, I paid for it. No, you didn't pay for it, you do not own it. <laughs> In the true sense of ownership, you have a legal title. That's within the statutory system. The statutory system of what? Of the states. Of The states are of what? The states aren't sovereign anymore. The states are all revenue sharing. If you take the benefit, you aren't... The, you are now go under the authority. His principles are repeated over and over again. And like I was saying, this guy, I won't mention his name, but he's been around for years and years and years. And uh, he's been doing battle up in Canada and everything. And he's right about a lot of things. But he's wrong about a few things. I may be wrong about a few things, but I've done a lot of homework. And so when you start putting all these things together, all the pieces of the puzzle, and putting them in the right place and not just saying, well, I can't figure out where this fits, so you throw it away. Well, you'll never finish the puzzle then. You have to take every... And this is what was so fascinating to me. You know, I studied the Bible and uh, when I went to St. Joseph's College, I was attending uh, classes at the St. Joseph College back in 1960. What was it, 62, 63? And uh, I was 13 years old when I first arrived there. I didn't start classes till I was 14. But uh, they, uh, the information that they were giving you kept bringing, creating questions in my mind about what the rest of the story was because things did not fit. The puzzle did not fit. Now, I may have been, well, I was dyslexic, and uh, maybe uh, I was a little autistic. I don't know. But uh, things had to fit. I remember, what was the, the movie, The Accountant? Uh, you know, there, there was, he, the puzzle had to fit. And he couldn't, if he, if he couldn't get the pieces all in place, uh, that, that, that bothered him. I mean, he, he couldn't. He couldn't rest until he got. I wasn't quite that bad <laughs> in the movie, but uh, that's that's kind of. I was very restless about putting those pieces together, and one of those pieces is understanding the law. Uh, because if you don't understand the law, I mean, the very foundational principles of this idea of law then you will not understand the Bible. Because the law and the Bible are one. I mean, that's, I mean, even the word Torah, that, that signifies the idea of the law. Now, the commandments are, are actually guideposts telling you that if you do this, this is going to happen. And if you do this, this is going to happen. If you want your days to be long upon the, upon the land, you need to honor your father and your mother and hope that your children will honor you. But uh, you've you've strayed away from all these really basic principles. We got preachers standing up there in pulpits, giving you bit little colorful pieces of the puzzle, but never putting all the pieces together. 
Now, so we've been trying to put the pieces together for you, and I don't know how long I can keep doing it, and but I'm going to keep doing it until God says I'm done. And so that's what you you can now, you know, somebody I know just got totally censored on YouTube. I mean, his YouTubes were taken down. His account was, and he has huge amount of information up there. We have a lot of information up there, so I've started moving information over to BitChute. And I'm going to start putting, uh, well, we already have other people in the network, which the church, early church was a network. Early Israel was a network. And so other people are putting them up on other media outlets. Eventually, you know, because of AI and the, the, they can find us everywhere and destroy and take away all these recordings and videos, etc. Because, and that's okay. They can do that. That will not defeat those who are really fighting the battle on the level where you need to be fighting it. And that level is in your heart and in your mind. You have to let go of your delusions and allow God to write upon the clean slate of your heart and your mind. The only way you will be able to do that is to forgive your neighbor. Even forgive big tech and and the Democrats and the corrupt Republicans and and all these people. I shared some videos on Facebook. And Facebook is going to delete them. They're probably already shadow banning the things that I share. They can tell when I share things that uh, might be enlightening or showing the truth. They do not love the truth. They hate the truth. Evil hates the truth. And people who think they love the truth, who think they know, whether they think they're Christians or they're atheists or whatever, they will, they will war against anything that reeks of the truth. They will try to destroy it. They will try to delete it. They will try to censor it. It's in the spirit that dwelleth in them that will make this come about. And this has to do with the law. I mean, when we think of the law of gravity, we don't think that somebody passed a statute that you're going to weigh this much and gravity is going to pull. It's built into the creation itself. Law is built into creation itself. When we write about the law, when we create uh, contracts, agreements, where we bind ourselves... By the law, by taking benefits, we bind ourselves. If we take benefits that are provided by borrowing money, we bind ourselves to debt. This is recognized in the law of the universe. It will create a corresponding action and reaction. Because we live in a cause and effect universe. And law is the operation of that cause and effect. And so, therefore, that's why I say the Ten Commandments are not really law. They're, they're guideposts. The word that they have there actually means more guideposts. The Torah overall and the Bible overall is telling you in sometimes in allegory and sometimes with metaphor and sometimes with uh, a rhetoric that's explaining the law. The statutes of Moses were explaining the law. They weren't law. 
they were explaining and and laying out what the law would look like if you dig a pit or you put a, a balcony up, but don't put an adequate railing around it. They're explaining that you could be held responsible in reality in the universe, in the in the universal creation, because there is a law of cause and effect already in place. You cannot get away from it. You can rationalize yourself around it, but you will end up back paying the price. It's it's like the monkey's paw stories that I've mentioned before. But anyway, so we're going to talk about Joel today. And uh, we will relate it a little bit to times now. But uh, these this should be a timeless message. It doesn't have to be now. It could be during the Depression, you know, and FDR, because that was a time of the locust. Now, there were actual locusts. There were actual droughts, the Dust Bowl, etc. But those manifestations of a physical drought plague, you know, we had before that, if you go back to the Spanish flu, uh, which was probably more virulent than the COVID flu. The, and yet, scientists now, having dug up frozen bodies in the tundra that of people who died from the flu, have isolated that flu virus and say that it is not more virulent. That was the conditions at the time that caused the, the numerous deaths. And the way in which it was treated medically was terrible. Caused thousands, the AMA admits this. Thousands upon thousands of people died because of the medical advice was actually did more harm than good. That's, that's actually a historical record. You know, I mean, they, they don't debate it. They admit it. That the, and, and if you knew what they were prescribing, <laughs> You would know in a minute now because we know that that's a big mistake. But at the time, they didn't know that, and so they were prescribing handfuls of aspirin for anybody who had the flu. I mean, literally handfuls of aspirin in a day. And it was killing people. And so, what are they prescribing today? Could they be doing something? Well, the ventilators killed thousands of people. Uh, it, it was a bad idea. Ventilators was actually making it worse. I've, I've heard the testimony from doctors that began to realize that the ventilators was a mistake. That they, that you needed to slow down the cytokine reaction and that would have been better than putting the people on a ventilator. And the countries that did that, that didn't have the ventilators but used this other alternative of, you know, allergic, uh, Allergy medicines that were slowing down the cytokine reaction in the lungs and allowed the person to recover uh, slightly and relieve this, the symptoms. Because that's what people die of is the symptoms. They don't really die of the disease. They die of the symptoms. And the symptoms can become compounded by conditions. Well, this is the same thing with Joel. Is that the problem that brought about the famine and the, even the locust, whatever the locust is, and we'll take a look at that, was the result of choices made long before in the hearts and minds of the people. 
And when I say that you've already lost the war for liberty in the world today, it's evident by what everybody did when the pandemic broke out, so-called pandemic, that was not what they said it was going to be, not even close. And they've now rolled back all the numbers, but the fear remains. And and people will continue to justify the fear because, you know, that remains and continue to cripple their neighbor and cause damage to their neighbor with their crazy shutdowns because they have to justify the fear. And why do they have to justify the fear? Is because they are vain. They They won't admit they made a mistake, that they were duped, that they were suckered, that they were delusioned. They were under a strong delusion. It wasn't that bad of a flu. It did not kill that many people. And people will say, oh, well, uh, he's going to get fact-checked. We've been fact-checked. They have shut down uh, things that we were going to put on YouTube. They told us that if we put it up, that they would, uh, they would, they would uh, shut down our YouTube. That's what they threatened. It was it wasn't actually our church YouTube because we weren't putting it up there first. Somebody else was putting it up on another YouTube. Well, then they so now they can go to BitTube or BitChute or one of these other alternatives, and we can share it with you. So anyway, what are you going to do? What should you be doing? Have you been deceived? Are you under a strong delusion? What can you do to protect yourself from more delusional error in your life? The reality is, is like I said, we've already lost the war. It will, and why I say that is so that you will come to the humble place you need to go in order for God to win the war for you, because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take a miracle. That when I say God win it for you, I don't mean that you're not going to do anything. You have to do something. But mostly what you have to do is think differently, which is the meaning of the word repent. That's that's primary. You have to admit that you're in a lot of trouble because you made a lot of mistakes and you didn't just start making them in 2019. You made them back in... In 1976, you made them in 1913, you made them in 1776. It's compounding mistakes over and over and over again. Now, you've done some good stuff too. But it's not about weighing the good against the bad or the bad against the good. It's about living according to the Spirit of God, which is the way to live. And so that's that's what you have to do in order to do that. You have to turn around your thinking first. Start thinking another way. So the battle begins in your heart and your mind. We'll talk about that when we come back. Well, welcome back uh, to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, so if we if we look at this, Joel, just go right into it now. And we'll we'll be flashing back to our time. We'll be flashing back to the time of Christ. We'll be flashing back to the time of the other minor prophets and even the major prophets, because this the same problem has been repeating itself over and over again. And we're we're looking for solutions by removing the symptom of the problem. And this this is what we do in medicine. 
you know, there's a symptom. Because like I say, most people die of the symptom because the symptom's what hurts. So they attack the symptom. If you if you find the source of the problem, all the symptoms will go away. All the repercussions will fall away. If you expend all your energy trying to remove the pain, you will not solve the problem because you're not addressing the problem. And, And this is why I tell people that when you have a pain, you go to the pain. You feel the pain. You don't run from the pain. The pain In the pain, there is a message. It's telling you something about the problem. And you'll watch that pain when you... Go to the pain with patience and love and forgiveness. Don't resent the pain. You don't fight against the pain. But you see the pain. You feel the pain. It will take you to another pain that is prior to the one you're now feeling. It will take you back, step by step, back to the source. And that's why we can read these ancient books... And when we actually understand what they're saying, what they're, the message, the, the foundational principles that they're laying out for us, then we can find the problems, uh, or the, the solution to the problems today. And of course that solution really all culminates in Christ and Joel supposedly talked about Christ. Joel was originally from Judah. Or Judea. And uh, judging from its uh, prominence in his prophecy was quite possibly a prophet associated uh, with the rituals of Solomon's or even the second temple. According to a long-standing tradition, Joel was buried in Gush Halav, uh, known in Josephus's time as Gishala. But, so what does that mean? Well, actually, if you look at the meaning of some of those words, it may help you understand what Joel was all about. But we're not going to go that deep into things, but uh, because words are symbols of ideas. We know that Israel supposedly sinned. They had done so. Israel as a nation had, there was a national sin. But of course national sin comes about because of individual sin. But what is, you know, like I say, the word adultery in, in the Bible most of the time is referring to national adultery. It's not referring to sexual adultery. It's talking about a national adultery where the nation goes whoring after a way that is contrary to the way of God. And so, and and they will tell these metaphors and allegories back and forth so that you understand the principle. Because you really can't turn the nation around, but you can turn yourself around. But the more of you individually that turn yourself around and come together in the way that Christ says to come together, in the intentional community of God, then the more God can operate in the world. And like I say, the world will not change. You will not stop the enemy at this stage without a miracle from God. So you want God to hear your prayers so that God can answer them with a miracle. 
Now, a lot of people say, well, I don't believe in miracles. We just got to do it ourselves. No. You can't do it yourself, and that's vain thinking. You you have to do something, but what you do is not going to solve the problem. And we see this over and over again, you know, like, a, you know, where they're going to defeat the enemy, and he, instead of picking 3,000 men to go defeat the enemy, he picked 300 men to go defeat the enemy, because otherwise you'd get vain, and vanity is part of the problem. So, anyway, the, this judgment was going to come upon Israel because of some sin, something they did that was against nature. That's what sin is. Sin is missing the mark. Sin is going against nature. And there's lots of ways in which we go against nature. And once you go against nature, there'll be another way that you go against nature and another way you go against nature and another way. And you won't be able to stop the process because you can't win on your own. You need the induction of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit that giveth life. I mean, you want to go, you know, Elon Musk wants to go to Mars and terraform it and and settle Mars. Well, you better bring the Holy Spirit with you. Because it's the Spirit of God that allows life every corner of this planet. And when you look on the moon and you look on Mars and supposedly when you look on... Uh, Venus, you don't find any life. Yet you find it everywhere on this planet. And it, it seems to be a self-sustaining machine. If if the sun gets warmer, the planet does things to make the planet cooler. If the sun gets colder, the planet does things to make the world warmer. <laughs> it keeps balancing itself out and has been doing it for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. This is because the spirit of life dwelleth here. But there are things that you can do and choices you can make that will take the spirit of life out of you and then you will not see the truth. You will actually hate the very truth. Because see, evil wants to bring destruction. And all these people censoring people are bringing destruction. They want to destroy what this person is saying, so they delete their account. They are bringing upon the world destruction. They think they are saving the world. Of course, they are calling evil good and good evil. They don't know. They're under a strong, strong delusion, but you're under a strong delusion. And, you know, this is why the Republicans cannot seem to win against the Democrats is because, well, the Democrats are corrupt, but so are the Republicans. You know, the, some Republicans say some things that are better than what we're hearing some of the Democrats say. They're still corrupt. They're still all over there on the side of corruption. You cannot f- defeat evil with more evil. You can only defeat evil with the truth and you need to in order to say the truth you need to know the truth about yourself so thus in the in the day of the lord is about god chastening his people it's simply the the effect of that law that was already put into place 
coming about and manifesting itself. And they say uh, through a Babylonian invasion of Jerusalem. Or a locust plague described, like I said, in Joel, Second uh, Joel. But what are these locusts? And what what is this an allegory or not? Because some people say it is. Joel' pressing mission is to focus on convincing the people to return to the Lord before it is too late. He is confident that a return to the Lord is the only way not to perish. He knows that the people want to survive. He announces that there is still time to return to the Lord. There is. But it will not save everybody because everybody will not turn to the Lord. So, and of course, this is where Christ starts. You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You have not been doing that as a matter of policy. Because you do not have right knowledge. You don't have knowledge about history. You don't have knowledge about the law. You don't have knowledge about God. Sufficient knowledge to know which way to go. Anybody who's, who thinks the Sabbath is about a day, the seventh day of some particular calendar that they have chosen to use, they think that that is about a day They do not have right knowledge. They want to feel justified in that right knowledge. Anybody who thinks that if they say Yeshua instead of Jesus, they do not have right knowledge. Now, sometimes you will have these ideas that get into your head and you will remain faithful to those ideas. And because of that loyalty and faithfulness to the idea, you may be led to the truth. But when you come to the truth, you have to set down these ideas. You have to realize the metaphor is a metaphor. The allegory is an allegory. And only the spirit of the law giveth life. So what is the spirit of the Sabbath? Well, you work first and then you get the rewards of your labor. You don't borrow against the future. You don't take off the first day of the week and then you owe your labor for the next. You don't borrow money for your vacation. <laughs> because you, when you come back, you will be a slave to pay off that debt. That's a, it's a principle they're trying to tell you. Taking the name of the Lord in vain. Saying, I want to follow God, but then not actually following God. Jesus has a parable about that. The two sons. The one son said, I don't want to do it. But he came back later and did it. He repented and came back later and did it. And he had another son and said, yes, father, I will do it. But when he went out, he didn't actually go and do it. Which one is the true son? So the one who says, yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus, but then he doesn't actually do what Jesus said. He's not actually following Jesus. He's not... Of the children of light. So if he's engaging uh, in covetous practices by applying for benefits from men who exercise authority one over the other but call themselves benefactors, he has abandoned Christ. If he is a preacher in a pulpit and he's not warning people of that, he is a prophet of evil. 
he's a really nice, soft-spoken guy, and he's really sweet, and he's nice to people and everything, but he, that's just like the of a snake. Because he has the spirit of the snake in him. Because he's not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's actually preaching a gospel that allows people to go out and covet their neighbor's goods through the exercising authority of men who call themselves benefactors but are actually workers of iniquity because they are teaching the people to become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others until they are changed internally into perfect savages, finding once more a monarch and a king. That battle has already been lost. You have already gone that way for over a hundred years. I mean, by 1933, it'll be a hundred years we've had Social Security. We've already had public schools for a hundred years, which taxes your neighbor's land. He can't even own his land. You will take his land away if he gets two years, three years behind in paying taxes so that you can have free education. That's covetous practice. And that will bring the locusts and it has brought the locust that are eating out your substance. The locusts are here. You elect the locust. You know, I'm not pro-Democrat or, or pro-Republican. Mitch McConnell is just as corrupt. He's the head of the, you know, the Democrat, I mean the Republicans. And he is just as corrupt as as people like Pelosi. He sold out to the Chinese a long time ago. And he doesn't he may not even think he's corrupt, I don't know. Somehow or other he justifies what he does. And he's not alone, there's a lot of others. And anybody who I mean, this is all a matter of record. These people have become millionaires in office. How did they do it? Oh, you say, well, it was perfectly legal. What they did was legal. Well, who makes the laws? They do. <laughs> so, so, is it perfectly moral? No. And and Christ had a remedy for that when he appointed the kingdom. But uh, most of the people that have churches today have not followed that remedy. Which is why Joel Olstein is rich. Why the Pope sits on a golden throne. Because they don't do what Christ said. And he said it clearly. And, but it's not just their fault. It's your fault because you follow them. I mean, people always want term limits for, because they see this corruption. The longer you stay in office, the more likely you will become corrupt. And so they say, well, let's put term limits on it. Well, term limits will not solve the problem. I mean, you have term limits. Every four years or every two years, you get to elect a guy who's not corrupt. Evidence of their corruption is all there. But the media is corrupt. They're not telling you. You're not demanding the media to tell you. You're not insisting that they tell you. You're not... You, And why not? And what, what can you... So what can I do? They don't listen to me. Well, it's because you're not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. I got an email just the other day where somebody was 
talking about their husband and wrongfully accused, etc. And uh, I was reading it, but I, it was getting to be late, and I had to go out and uh, out to the desert and uh, make sure that coyotes didn't eat the sheep. <laughs> and these people are not a part of the flock of God. The, the reason they're experiencing this injustice from the courts is because they haven't been listening to God. What God has said all the way back at the time of Joel. And we don't even know what time Joel existed in. I mean, they, there's a huge debate. He could have been in nine, uh, the 9th century B.C. or in the 8th century B.C. or in the 600s uh, or in 400 B.C. They don't know. And if you if you go to the Septuagint, uh, you'll find Joel in a different place. And if you go to the Masoretic Tech, you'll find Joel in another place. That from where we see, you know, we see him. Uh, Joel is uh, comes in after Hosea and before Amos, but in in uh, I think the Septuagint, it comes in after Malachi. Because they don't know. Because there's no reference to anybody specific so you can figure out what time it's in. But that's because it's a timeless message. That's because it's an allegory. You know, according to the Eastern Orthodox Christian hymns, the ancient uh, hymnographer Anatolius, uh, he says that Joel's prophecy is connected to the birth of Christ. And we see it in uh, Joel, Second Joel, and and even that is shifted around <laughs> in different places. Uh, verse thirty, I think. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire, pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Come and we've heard that moon into blood. Now, there will actually there there may actually come a time. Of course, by the time this happens, it'll probably be too late for many of you. Where you may actually it may actually appear that blood is flowing on the moon. That that is actually a possibility that you will see blood flowing on the moon or what appears to be blood flowing on the moon I mean there's a phenomenon where we talk about a red moon where the moon looks a little more red and that too is is telling you something that is actually happening here on earth that causes the moon to look red to us but the first thing I was talking about is actually seeing like blood flowing on like the moon is bleeding you may actually see that if you're not as old as me. <laughs> you might even see it if you are as old as me. But uh, the reality is, this is this is where you're, there's metaphors and messages in this, and there's many, many layers to it, because there's another thing that the moon stands for, and the idea of bleeding is life coming out of something, and and being bled off, the same as the locust chewing on you, may be representing something. I mean, we see it in what the Declaration of 
independence, swarms of offices to eat out our substance. Is that like swarms of locusts to chew on us and eat out our substance? I just heard the, you know, the new uh, Biden, uh, who's going to be probably sworn in as a new president, is talking about a new stimulus package. He's going to give you all $2,000. He's going to take it away from your children because he's borrowing the money <laughs> to give you today. So, is it any wonder, somebody was talking to me at a Bible study just the other day about, uh, or it was just before the Bible study, is about the children disrespecting their parents. Well, if you're borrowing against the future to have your social welfare today, you're, you're cursing your children. Can you expect, if you're doing this spiritually, which you are doing, you're just seeing the physical manifestation of it, is there any wonder that your children would despise you and not take care of you? Because, see, you did not honor your father and your mother, so therefore your days will not be long upon the land because your children will not honor you. They haven't seen you do that. Well, actually, it's not always so cut and dry because I've seen people trying to do that. But then unforgiveness gets in the way. Anger gets in the way. Judgment gets in the way. And so there's this battle. If we, if we go up to some of the other uh, uh, quotes here in that second uh, chapter of Joel, and ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and the old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Where have we heard that? Isn't that in Acts? Isn't that in Peter's prophecy? So, yeah, all these stories, all these books are connected. And uh, so anyway, uh, so when I, I quote the Eastern Orthodox Christian uh, hymnographer and Tolius, he's probably right. But even when you talk about the incarnation of Jesus Christ, you're talking about somebody who is named Yeshua, and we transmute that into Jesus, but we know who we're talking about. And all the the name is just signifying who we're talking about. But the word Christ is talking about the anointing. And he talks about the fire of divinity of Christ. And Christ, this is what they said. Christ was going to baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. And of course, when we see the apostles at Pentecost, and we've seen this in other places uh, throughout different histories, there is this light going above a person that looks like the flame of a candle and this flickering light. You know, like a dove descending would be flickering his wings, flapping his wings. And if it was a white dove, you would see the light fl- uh, getting bright and dim as the wings get exposed to the sunlight. That's a phenomena that actually can occur. And that will actually bring a power 
that will stop evil in its tracks. Just the same as turning on a light will stop the cockroach. But how do you get to that point? You have to repent. You have to admit that the way you've been thinking ain't right. The way you need to think is something different. How will you know how to think differently? What what difference do you need to make? Well, I can make references to it, but ultimately it's the Holy Spirit that is going to show you. And if you deny the Holy Spirit, that sin cannot be forgiven until you repent of that sin <laughs> and uh, start accepting the guidance of the Holy Spirit because that's that's... Holy Spirit is what needs to write upon your heart and upon your mind. So if we look into Joel, we see this lament over a great locust plague and drought and the effects of these events on the flow of life of the nation affecting the supply offering of the temple in Jerusalem. In other words, the offerings made in the temple in in Jerusalem were... Not adequate. Not They were ceasing. They were obstructed. And this caused a national lament. A national sadness. So, what are they talking about? Because the temple in Jerusalem wasn't even necessarily a built temple until Solomon. I mean, uh, David repented. Of that. It wasn't ever supposed to be a stone temple. The temple is made out of living stones, out of you and your neighbor coming together and ministers of your network coming together and creating a system of charity which requires forgiveness and love for one another. This is the key to bringing about the presence of the Holy Spirit which will drive off the locusts. We'll be right back. So, welcome back. So, let's get into Joel here. And uh, there's just a few other little side notes that I thought I'd bring up. Is that, uh, you know, we've uh, the, not only do we see Joel referenced in Acts uh, 2, 16 and 18, but uh, we also see it in Revelations 9-3 and uh, verses 7 and 9. But... Uh, where we're, we're seeing things that are mentioned in this. And if you went to Amos and Malachi and uh, Hosea and a lot of these other uh, different uh, uh, texts of the Bible, we'll see phrases appear in those texts, in the original Hebrew text, that also seem to appear in Joel. Now, this question is, did Joel take it from them because he was written much later? Or did they take it from Joel because he was written much earlier? Well, that's there's a huge debate on that. And a person can get lost in these debates and not see the basic fundamentals. And that's what we want to get you back to understand. That's why we talk about the laws. To understand the basic nature, the law of nature and, and nature's God. And once you understand God, a lot of these things would start fitting together and you'd start understanding them. But if you settle for these uh, manufactured uh, constructions of modern religion, you will miss 
these basic fundamentals. And there's no way that you will see it simply by somebody explaining it to you. It has to be written in your heart. Once it's written in your heart, no matter what you see, everything will be interpreted by that light that is already in you, which is why they talk about the children of light, because they were willing to see and to see the darkness of the world, the true darkness and the nature of the darkness of the world, you need to see the darkness of your own heart. And so Christ gave us very simple things to do, which modern Christendom is not doing, which is keeping people blind. That if you start to do those things that Christ said to do, you will be blind no more. He will remove the scales. This is built in to creation. So, yeah, they may have meant real locusts, uh, but they include a time of famine and financial ruin that is the result of some sort of sin and some sort of neglect. We see this in the text. It is a time when, to their shame, the meat offering, the drink offering, is cut off. Now, is it cut off because they have nothing to offer? Or is it cut off because they have, you know, uh, begun a spirit and allowed a spirit of covetous practices? I mean, like I said, if you're allowing people like Pelosi and the Democrats, and you can go to Schumer, you can go to all these guys. Uh, or if you go to um, Con- uh, McConnell, Mitch McConnell, uh, he's doing it. There's a lot of others that have become millionaires on the Republican side as well. And everybody allows this to go on. Well, they're eating out your substance. You know, now we got, they're offering you a stimulus by stealing from your children. Because your children are going to have to pay back the money they are borrowing to give you a stimulus today. So you're eating out the substance of your children. And of course, you know, they were just talking the news about the millions of abortions. Well, the same people that are complaining about millions of abortions can't seem to put an end to it. But by the same token, they have accepted it is okay to take a bite out of your children, your unborn children, by putting them farther, cursing them with debt. So that they can have benefits today. Now I know that amongst all these people, there are people at different layers of this delusion. Some, like I say, is a real strong, strong delusion. Some, it's just a strong delusion. But you can't have any delusion. And the way you get rid of all delusion is see the darkness in your own heart. And then allow the light in enough that you can start to see the darkness in the rest of the world. Cursing the world, resisting the world, fighting against the world is part of the delusion. The battle is won and lost in your own hearts and minds. And Christ gave you a simple way to resolve this and to religiously test this. Religion is how you take care of the needy of your society. To religiously test that is you have to start taking care of the needy of your society through faith, hope, and charity rather than force, fear, and fealty. You have public schools today because you force your neighbor to pay a tax or you will take his land away from him. You have your health care today because you are taxing your neighbor. 
You are not giving your the neighbor the choice to decide to help you. You are do, you you are going to men who exercise authority one over the other. You're getting your neighbor to sign up so that he is now a member of these societies where now the Canes and Lamechs and Nimrods of the world can force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, even borrow money against the future of your children. This is why you're blind. Is because you've become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for your livelihood on the property of others. And this ends the meat offering and the drink offering in the temple of God because those offerings in the temple of God are by free will choice, not force. This is why the Corbin of the Pharisees was to no effect. This is what they were doing in Judah. And this is why the locusts are coming and came and chewed the life out of the people. So, what is the foolishness of Saul? He forced a sacrifice. What is the uh, the locust a symbol of? If we go down and look at the Hebrew word for that, it's elef, resh, be it, hey. That, that's the letters. And, and it can actually, actually be, uh, from the word resh, be it, hey. Uh, which means, uh, be or become great. Be or become many. Be or become much. Be or become numerous. So they have a resh, be it, hey. But they put an elef on the front. And it becomes this swarm of locust. And so we can, we'll look more at those different words when we come back. But the, this, uh, you know, like the word, uh, elef resh be it without the hay on the end. Because you gotta remember that the hay on the end is an emphasis letter. It emphasizes it. It also magnifies. So if you had the word elef resh be it, that word is defined as ambuscade, treachery, deceit. And it reminds me of Patrick Henry. I mean, I'm reading right out of concordances, uses the word ambuscade. If you go hear Patrick Henry say, when he talked about the Constitution, this document was written as if good men would take office. When bad men take office, they will steal your rights through ambuscade. He said that about the Constitution. So the problem did not begin <laughs> in 2019 or in 1919. It began way back and that were people were blind. Now, I admit that at the time the Constitution was ratified and accepted and implemented, most of the people in the United States, most of the people in America, opposed the Constitution. They were afraid of it. They wrote about this in the Anti-Federalist Papers, which I don't think were as articulate as they needed to be. When I when I read them today, I said, well, they, they left out a lot of stuff. The reality is, is that our mistakes are have been compounded. So we have to really to look at all things anew. And we talk about this in other places. We won't get too far off on that. But they also mention a palm worm in this. And a palm worm is a chewing locust. 
and and of course I go on our page. We go into a study of you know some of the meanings of the words. You know, again, back to locusts become many. There's always been corrupt politicians. There's always been politicians that went into it maybe for good causes and then became corrupt. I mean, go read uh, or go watch the movie. Uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, and and they're talking about it way back then, where the machine is not letting the information get out to the people. They're they're stopping it. They're censoring the information. Nothing that you're saying is getting to the people. What's well, happening today? <laughs> They're not running over little kids' wagons like they did in the movie, but, well, they may be. I don't know what they're doing. They're, but they are definitely censoring you. This is the result of a spirit that has been dwelling amongst us. Why do they call it a plague of locusts? Because it's a plague of corruption. We got that, folks. Now, will there become a plague of real locusts? Yes, but we created that because we allowed the corruption to spread throughout the world. So if we uh, if we go up to um, and look at Joel, just read it from the beginning. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. And you can look at the, the meaning of the word Pethuel, which may be his actual father, but it may also be giving you a message about that, but we won't go into that here. Hear this, ye Old men, that would be elders of every congregation, and give ear all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell ye your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. That which the palm worm, the palm worm, the chewing worm, hath left, hath the locust eaten. Okay, what the palm worm left, the locust have eaten. And that which the locust has left, has the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath Left has the caterpillar eaten. So he's talking about all these different things. So, so what's the, the canker worm? That's a, that's another worm that they're talking about. <laughs> and, and the word that they have there is translated canker worm and other places it's translated caterpillar. And so, uh, they're talking about these different forms of parasites devouring everything around about you. And and there's quite a bit of different words uh, that they use. You know, the caterpillar word, it's uh, chet, yad, lamad. They put a vav in there in the, the beginning uh, of the word that is actually, I said yad, it's actually uh, a vav. And uh, it's connecting these ideas together. But the point is, you know, Lamad, Chet, uh, Semuk, Yad, uh, Lamad, all together. Uh, we see this in Psalm 78:46. He gave also their increase unto the caterpillar and their labor unto the locust. 
And that's what's happened. Yeah, they, yeah, in the prophecies, they're talking about coming back to the, the kingdom of Egypt, which is the bondage of Egypt. Well, you're already there. That happened way back in 1933, where a portion of your labor now belongs to the government, and they get to take that, the first of the fruits of your labor. Because you've already gone, you, that's why I say the battle has already been lost. The the day of judgment has now come upon you. And it was inevitable. But if you repent and think differently, a different outcome can come about because uh, even though you have sinned. But you're going to have to admit that we've been making mistakes for a long time. So, like I say, if one worm don't eat it, another worm will. If, it, if the federal government doesn't take it, all the states will take the rest, and the counties will take the rest, and that, and it just goes on and on and on. And it's all about the fact that you have gone to men who exercise authority, to the Nimrods, the Canes, the Lamechs of the world, who take away from your neighbor to provide you with benefits. And if you had done what Christ commanded and come together in your churches in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, as he ordered his apostles to organize the people in, you could be taking care of all the needs of your society through faith, hope, and charity. But you have not done that. So now a lot of people say, well, this is too much. I can't, I can't, I can't make that jump. Well, it's not about a jump. It's about a turning around and thinking a different way and realizing we should not be coveting our neighbor's goods. Awake ye drunkards and weep and howl all ye drinkers of wine because of the new wine for it is cut off from your mouth. You cannot see the truth that Christ brought in its entirety if you Remain drunk from the wines of iniquity, from the covetous practices of the world, from the wages of unrighteousness. For a nation is come up upon my land, strong, that's a nation is a people, and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he hath the cheek teeth of a great lion. He hath laid my vine to waste and barked my fig tree. He hath made it clean, bare, and cast it away, and the branches thereof are made white. This is what the shutdowns are doing to you right now as we speak and have done to you. And it was not done to you by a foreign invading nation, but by your own nation of iniquity. Because for a long time now, you have been in error. Thinking that it was okay to covet your neighbor's goods as long as you did it through government. And the government has many teeth, and sometimes big teeth. And now you've elected, or allowed to be elected, or allowed to gain office, somebody who's going to mask your teeth and deplete your substance even more so, cursing your children more so, 
Shut you down more so. I told you weeks ago there would be a new COVID, a new strain, more dangerous. Now they're, they're right now they're saying that that their new vaccine will give you immunity to it. They haven't even admitted that the new vaccine may not give you immunity to the present vaccine. They have no evidence that it will. It's causing a reaction in your body. But they don't know if it will give you immunity because last week they were telling you you may still have to wear the masks. You may still have to keep the social distancing because you may still get sick from it. Just supposedly not as bad. But they don't know because they skipped animal trials. And they admit they don't know. But most of the time they don't say that in the news. And that's where you get most of your information is from the media. Not from God. If you were getting from God, you would know there's something wrong here. So, he goes on to say, Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. Her husband of her youth. That's when we were great. (laughs) What made America great? Was it the Constitution? No. It was the fact that we took care of one another through charity. There was no social welfare from the government. There was social welfare from church. Church don't do that now. They say, you, if you need something, go to government. Because we need this money to fund my pension plan. <laughs> they want to do. So it says the meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord isn't a stone temple. It's the gathering of those children of light who are doing the will of the Father. That's not you. You're not doing the will of the Father. You're coveting your neighbor's goods to the agency of men who exercise authority one over the other, which Christ forbid. It is not to be that way with you. So where's your meat offering? Not, It's not a charitable offering. Yeah, they take from you. That's your meat offering. This is what the Corban of the Pharisees was. So, you know, if we go down and look at the Hebrew words for the the meat offering... It's just, it's offering. You know, uh, present, gift, oblation, sacrifice. It's also tribute. When you're, you were giving at the altars of God, which were living altars always from the beginning, not stone altars, but men who come together, gathering of men, a gathering of stones is a gathering of men. A gathering of friends who are men. And they're friends because they don't force your contributions. They receive your contributions, which are free will offerings in the Old Testament and charity in the New Testament. This is the way of God, through charity. Because that choice of laying down your life for your fellow man, that's your tribute to God allows you to see, allows God to enter into you and give you light to see the truth of what is coming about. But if you don't go that way, if you go the way of force and fear and fealty, then then you're, you're not going to see the light. You're going to be the drunkard, the weeper, the howler, who drinks the wine of force and fear and fealty 
and goes into bondage and curses his children with that bondage. The field is wasted. The land mourneth. The corn is wasted. The new wine is dried up. The oil languishes. He's not talking about real locusts. He's talking about the way in which you operate your systems of welfare. Be ashamed, O ye husbandmen. How, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished, is eaten up. You, what you pay in to your rulers only goes to pay the interest. It doesn't actually provide the services that they give you. It's paying the interest on the debt, and the debt is rising by the moment. The vine is dried up, and the fig tree languishes. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree, and the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are withered, because joy is withered away from the sons of men. There's a difference between pleasure and joy. This is this is something that's come to me. That a lot of things can give you pleasure. But they don't give you joy. That is that is critical. Pleasure is not what you want. It's joy. Joy will include pleasure. But joy it, it supersedes pleasure in its meaning. Sanctify ye a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders of all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry unto the Lord. This is what we're doing with the network. Go to the websites, preparingyou.com, hisholychurch.org. Join the network. That's the solemn assembly. What are you fasting from? If you gather in this, you can start fasting from the what the 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 bite and blood of your neighbor and start taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. And that will start to open your eyes so that you can see. And so that when you cry out, the Lord will hear you. Because that was was warned in the foolishness of Solomon. They began to force an offering. But in the foolishness of the people, they elected a Solomon. They elected a Saul. And so they set themselves on a course that was inevitably a course to destruction. Now, you, it, this is mutual choices back and forth to get to the place where we are today. And it says, Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. It's because it's built into the law. Is not the meat cut off before your eyes? Yea, joy and gladness from the house of the Lord. Why so many suicides? No joy. Cut off. Cut off from our eyes. We are not allowed to even look upon each other's face. When I, I seldom go to town, nobody wears a mask around here, but when I do go to town and I see all these masks, I, I miss the faces of the people. Why can't I see their faces? Because you're cut off. This is this is 
the essence of evil that has taken over your land. You are invaded by the locusts, the corrupt locusts that chew and eat and steal and rob and the moths and the worms of the moths that eat out your substance. There is no more in your treasury. It is gone. You will have nothing but debt. The seed is rotten under their clods and the garners are laid desolate, and the barns are broken down, and the corn is withered. How do the beasts groan, and the herds of cattle are perplexed, because they have no pasture. Yes, the flocks of the sheep are made desolate. This has already happened. It's going to happen worse. Unless you repent, come right back and we'll talk more. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom and we're looking at Joel and we're in the last part of the chapter 1. How does how do the beasts groan and the herds of the cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture? Yea, the flocks and the sheep are made desolate because the pastures were eaten up and the burned up. And it says, The Lord to thee will I cry. Now remember, it says in Samuel 8, that because you've chosen this ruler who can exercise his authority, Saul was originally the commander-in-chief of the military, and he forced an offering to provide for his military, and the people allowed him to do this, even though Samuel came in and said, you've done this foolish thing. And he's, But when he explained to the people what they would get, he says that he will eventually take and take and take and take and take and chew and chew and chew and chew, like the, the, the locusts. All his minions will be like locusts amongst you and eat out your substance. This has all come about because of choices you made and your parents made and your grandparents made. But of course the bondage of Egypt lasted for 400 years. Hopefully ours won't last that long. But the reality is that you have to repent and turn around because he says in that day of wrath, I will not hear your prayers. You want God to hear your prayers, you have to turn around and start doing what Christ said. Start turning around your thinking. For the fire hath devoured the pasture of the wilderness, and the flame hath burned all the trees of the field. And the beasts of the field cry also unto thee, for the rivers of waters are dried up, and the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Well, yesterday I was burning the brush that was devouring the the field. (laughs) I burned piles and piles of brush out on the desert and opened up huge areas where grass can now grow. Now, I need more water. So where is the water going to come from that I'm going to need? Well, if you go to Isaiah... Uh, 40, 43, uh, verse 19, Behold, I will do a new thing now. It shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field shall honor me. The dragons... And the owls, that's what he's naming the beasts of the field, the dragons and the owls. I would like to say the owls and the dragons, (laughs) but it's written this way. 
Because I give water to the wilderness and rivers to the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. But then he goes on to say, But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob, but thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. And that's where you guys have been, is you've been weary of the ways of Christ. You've been drunk on the benefits of the world. And this has weakened you. So now in Joel 2 it says, Blow ye the trumpet of Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. So be it. So I speak loudly. I actually have two or three horns behind me I could blow, but we won't do that on the show today. The day of darkness and of the gloominess. A day of clouds and of thick darkness as the morning spread upon the mountains a great people and a strong. There hath not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devoureth before them and behind them. A flame burneth the land is as the garden of Eden before them. And behind them, and a desolate wilderness, yea, and nothing shall escape them. Now this was a great nation. Fed the world. Literally fed the world. Riches beyond imagination. The poorest of America lived better than many of the kings of old. But we have been brought down into debt and bondage. And, and where, where they can, through the, your imagination, control you. And you, and even those of you who are slightly awake and can see that there's something is wrong here and the lies are all about us. You can't do anything about it. You cannot change it. Because you have not sat down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands as Christ commanded. You have not taken care of the widows and orphans and needy of your society through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty through choice. You know, the people are bringing it to my attention that there's people putting cell groups together. There's a website, The, the Greater Reset, and uh, they're having a big symposium later on in January. And uh, having all kinds of people there. I know some of those people. Uh, or at least know of them. And uh, they're trying to figure out this alternative to create this network of survivors uh, to go this other way. We've been talking about it for years. It's the way of Christ. The way we've all should have been going. And have, have we had been going, they would not. there would be no locusts. You could raise your hand and they would go away. But now you you cannot raise your hand because you have not come together. And they manipulate you and they beat you and they, they connive against you. You go have your demonstrations, but they use them against you. And you, why? Because you're drunk on emotionalism. 
and, and nonsense. The Constitution is not your salvation. Trump is not your salvation. Biden is not your salvation. Returning to the Constitution is not returning to the solution. Returning to Christ is the solution. What he said is the solution. To do what he commanded is the solution. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses and the horsemen, so shall they run. That was always the big fear is the chariot men and the horsemen because uh, the ground troops had very little defense against them. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of the mountains shall they leap like the noise of flames of fire and devoureth the subtle. The, excuse me. This devoureth the stubble even as a strong people set in battle array. Before their face the people shall be much pained. All faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the walls like men of war. And they shall march every one on his way. And they shall not break their ranks. What does all this have to do with locust? He's talking about invasion, but we don't even know when this is all taking place. He's talking about an internal invasion, a nation within a nation that is devouring you. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk every one in his path. And when they fall upon their swords, they shall not be wounded. They shall, in other words, when they screw up, it won't be, they'll get away with it. It won't kill them. They shall run to and fro in the city and they shall run upon the wall and they shall climb up upon the houses and they shall enter in at the windows like a thief. And it's night all the time. <laughs> so, because we will not, we are not the children of light. We should be the children of light and some of you are starting to wake up. But, you know, let's look at the old sluggard, uh, quotes in the Bible, you know, how long will you fold your arms and do nothing? At least do what Christ commanded. Gather in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start working out your salvation with fear and trembling instead of force and fear of others. The earth shall quake before them and the heavens shall tremble and the sun and the moon shall dark and the stars shall withdraw their shining. This will physically manifest itself, but spiritually it is already being written before us because of our choices. The Lord shall utter his voice before his army and his camp is very great and he is strong and executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and the very terrible and who can abide it? Now when we're talking about this is... This is an army built by nature of our choices. We have made these choices and so this army is coming about because it's written into the law. Now I'm not talking about a specific real army although there is such an army and it will come also. But this battle is within you. Constantly saying, you know, don't. You know, it's like the devil on your shoulder saying, oh, don't worry about that. Oh, it doesn't have anything to do with anything. Oh, you know, ignore that. 
I'm not behind the curtain. I'm right out in front of you. Therefore, also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. That You don't need denial. You've had plenty of denial. Now you need humility. Weeping and mourning and fasting. I've been counseling people over and over again and they've had their delusions. There's always comes a point where tears just start rolling out of them. Even in meditation that will take place. And I have, I've said more times than I can count, tears are good. It's okay to realize that you've screwed up. And your parents have screwed up. You forgive them. Now you, repentance is turning around and going the way of Christ. And the way of Christ is forgiveness and love for one another. Verse 13, and rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto your Lord, your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. And it's interesting, he says, rend your heart and not your garments. What did Caiaphas do? He tore his garments. <laughs> but he didn't rend his heart. At least at that time. I think he eventually did. But anyway, that's another story. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering, a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet of Zion, sanctify a fast. What does it mean to sanctify a fast? Call a solemn assembly. Sanctifying a fast, you're all going to be fasting, whether you like it or not. But a sanctifying fast is a fast that you set aside yourself. You choose to sacrifice. Somebody wrote me and says, well, how do we equate this you know, life is difficult and uh, times are uncertain and yet we still have to give. Well, you get in a congregation and you sanctify a fast. You choose to fast. Whether a penny or a pound, it doesn't matter. Well, it will matter. But God will measure the difference. It's not, it doesn't matter in the sense that, you know, that the widow's mite was just a penny, just a mite. And was counted more than half of the rich man's wealth because she gave all. So what you give is between you and God, but it will not be given without effect. The same as what you have taken. The wine you have drinking is not without effect. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregations. That means separate the congregations. Tens, hundreds of thousands. Assemble the elders. The head of every family. That's the elders. We go over that over and over again. I'll probably put in links so that people can understand that when they're, they're reading it. Because some people will come at this the first time. Elder is an office of the family. It's not an office of the church. Gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth for his chamber and the bride out of her closet. The reality, the bride, that's the church, uh, is the bride of Christ. And the, let the bridegroom go forth and his, uh, of his chamber. Christ is, is our salvation. 
And, but this is a real thing that will manifest itself in real ways, the same as the the locusts are manifesting themselves in this, the corrupt people that are swarms of offices eating out your substance. I mean, the the people in charge of your health, supposedly, you know, what is it, uh, DHS or whatever, they're out there making you wear masks all day while you're working. That's crazy. Insane. It's unhealthy. Uh, let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. There's significance in that. Between the porch and the altar. What's the altar? What's the porch? And let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thy heritage to uh, reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say amongst the people, Where is their God? I know where he is. You need to know where he is. Not just say it, but understand the nature of God. A lot of people believe in Jesus, but it's not the real Jesus. Because they lack knowledge of what the real Jesus asked of us to do and to believe. Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and the pity his people. His people, not the people who imagine. Remember, he says many will think they are his people, but they're actually workers of iniquity. Because they covet one another's goods and they become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil and ye shall be satisfied therewith and I will no more make you a reproach amongst the heathen. But... God's going to run out and meet you halfway because you're not going to be able to make it back to his righteousness of your own accord. But repentance requires a humble heart and a humble mind to accept that where you have made the mistakes and start to try to repair those mistakes. But I will remove far off from the northern army and will drive him into a land barren and desolate with his face toward the east sea and his hinder part toward the utmost sea and his stink shall come up and his ill savor shall come up because he hath done great things. What's he talking about? There's an eastern sea and a western sea? Not in Israel there isn't. There is in America, but anyway. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will be will do great things. This is what this is true. But you need to be going the way of the Lord and not the way of the world. Do you know the difference between the way of the Lord and the way of the world? One is by faith, hope, and charity, and one is by force, fear, and fealty. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the trees beareth her fruit, and the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. But who is the vine? The the strength will come if you go the way of righteousness. You won't do it well, 
But the more you strive, a word given to us by Christ, the more you persevere, a word given to us by Christ, the more you seek the righteousness of his kingdom, the blessings of Christ will come. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for down. For you, the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And you'll need it in the first month. Because you won't make it otherwise. So what is that rain? And how will it manifest itself? Well, I'm not telling you. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore... To you, the years that the locust hath eaten, and the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the palm worm, my great army which I sent amongst you, and ye shall eat in plenty, and satisfy, and praise the name of the Lord your God, that hath dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. You're not there yet. The thing is, is like I said, everybody will be set free. You're back in the bondage of Egypt. You're back in the mystery Babylon. But everybody will be set free. But everybody will not survive freedom. And this blessing that he's talking about will come if you bless one another. Because that's how you get God to hear your voice. That, you know, somebody was saying the other day on a group that it was kind of a home church group that Christ didn't have to worry about a congregation you know that he he did have to worry the apostles was his congregation and he commanded his apostles to make the people sit down in 500 congregations but 500 congregations is too much to keep track of so he said in ranks of tens and hundreds he actually said fifties because there were 5,000 people 5,000 men in their families there so it comes out the ranks of uh, tens and uh, hundreds and fifties or fifties and hundreds because of the 5,000. If there was 10,000 there, he would have said tens, hundreds, and thousands. Verse 28, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. This was Pentecost. But we're now facing, we've had a thousand years where the church, the, the true church, existed in the world. And there was, there was wars around, but there was amazing successes, that miraculous successes for a thousand years. And then came the Debullions and, and, uh, William the Conqueror and, and rulers of the world came, came about again. And now for a thousand years we've been creeping more to this place where the dragons and the, and the owls rule the day. And uh, destruction is coming upon us and we're surprised. But we've been a long time in coming to this, this place. But now we need another second Pentecost. We need people to turn around and repent, get the baptism of Christ, 
which is a baptism of fire and uh, and the Spirit of God. And we have to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start taking care of one another. And then God will come out and shower his blessings upon us. And there will be particular times where this will manifest itself. But this is an everyday journey inside each of our own hearts. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. And in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. Blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, the true character of Christ, the character of God, a character that gives life, does not take life. Fast, a, a, a sacred fast, rather than the covetous practices of the world. Shall Anyway, that's the ones who come in the name of the Lord. Shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. As the Lord hath said. And in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. So we made it through Joel uh, second chapter. We still have three and four. We'll look at those. It's divided differently in, in different texts. But anyway, see us on the network, preparingyou.com, hisholychurch.org. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.